bad leaders are everyone's worst nightmare, giving you the ultimate playbook to lead, inspire, and grow your team. Better Tech Leadership, powered by BrainHub. Dario, uh, your latest experience in the tech industry is strongly related to chief technical officer role or VP of engineering role. Um, and to be honest, being a top maverick as a technical leader in companies of 100 to 200 people. How do you find yourself as a technical leader in such organizations versus being a tech lead uh, in huge corporations like Allianz because you work in Allianz before? Yeah, Allianz also got a phone. Uh, so basically, I actually work in, in different areas like startups and scale-ups, um, big corporations like Allianz and Vodafone. Currently, I'm in a scale-up, but I was also in a startup the whole uh, the whole journey. And uh, there are some things that are not as different as a lot of people think. So, for instance, is it happens often that um, big companies, and when I worked in Allianz, for instance, that they define a startup-like organization within the organization in order to shield um, that department from the normal processes that you could see uh, from the other different teams. So usually you have a very close connection to the board of management and the one you report to is usually top management too uh, in order to reduce middle management as much as possible. So... In that regard, it's true that there are some streams that are not as different as what I could see from a scale-up because in general, a scale-up, they notice that things that worked when it was a startup, they don't work anymore. So in that regard, you could actually see that there are some processes that actually make sense in a corporate environment that could be applied into scale-up. So in that regard... And there are some things that are actually quite common, but if I can list the main differences, is basically, definitely I don't miss some <laughs> politics that you see in big companies. Well, this is really something that goes related to, to a big corporation. So also definitely I really enjoy the velocity that you can find in a startup, also in a scale-up. It's kind of a very good mixture between how fast can you be as an organization I mean, you already have certain stability that you definitely don't have in a startup, but you are definitely much faster than in a big corporation, even if the big corporation is setting you um, and your um, organization within a startup-like um, bubble, which is, in reality, is not possible to shield you from the from all the company processes. So one example, a funny fa fun fact about things I don't really uh, miss from big corporations, like having to wait for months for a MacBook, that's definitely something that I, I definitely don't miss, or having to uh, provide these MacBooks to uh, en engineers in a way in which uh, we could actually achieve the procurement processes from the mm -hmm. company, that we need to put it in a different department. It looks like something easy, to achieve within a big company, but actually like being able to provide the proper hardware to your engineers is not as, as simple. So I definitely don't, don't, don't miss that. That's for sure. Very nice. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. And let's dig deeper a bit uh, into your role because you work as a CTO and a VP of engineering. And this is really interesting for me. Like what kind of responsibilities are associ associated with those uh, roles, 
probably they are super different. Like uh, as a like what is doing CDO and what is doing VP of engineering, de- depending on the organization size for sure. Uh, size for sure. Because that's basically the main factor to take into consideration. So, for instance, uh, my start as a CTO was in, I mean, was to set up everything from scratch. Like, it was actually like with a clinic as an investor, etc. but there was nothing. There was no, I mean, you need to build an engineering team when uh, there is not much clarity about the product that you are going to build, which is a challenge. So, but definitely it's not as strategic as what I'm doing now because that's actually depending on the company growth. So, how I started as a CTO uh, and how that company grew um, after three years, almost four, my responsibilities were very different. So, it's definitely more strategical work that I enjoy a lot because, especially when you have set up that structure that has been growing based on the challenges that you have every year, then um, the responsibilities that a CTO has really, really depends on uh, the business that, I mean, the requirements that you have in your current business, like even if it's a startup, because it depends on the size. So if it's a CTO that is starting to set up everything from scratch, it's very hands-on. So, which was very interesting because I was coming from big corporations where I wasn't so hands-on anymore. Like I was really purely also strategical work, also like how to navigate processes, uh, how to find the the quick winning which you can deliver with without, I mean, navigating also the contacts within a big company, which was very interesting. Then I came to a CTO role in which I had to be hands-on again. And then I, I did front-end development. Like, I was like, I've never been a front-end developer. I've done also some, I was very close to mobile development, which was very interesting. That part, it was already a bit bigger, but Still, I mean, I, I enjoyed that too. Then uh, when I had to definitely step out of being hands-on, I also enjoyed it because I could see that the things that I did, basically the engineers were doing it by themselves. At the beginning, I had I had a hard time in letting go. So like, oh, I'm super fast at doing this. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, well, okay, well, they definitely earned my trust and I knew this is better. We were able to scale uh, better as well. And I mean, as a VP of engineering, it's not a small organization either. So um, when you have a department of around 40 people, I mean, definitely hands-on work is out of the question, but you want to be connected to the engine room, so to the technology, to see, like, to basically see that the structure that you want to put, the processes... Basically, the environment that you are setting as a leader um, that is going to reflect what the teams actually need and having that connection and also earning the respect of engineers too, as a VP of engineer, because you, you only talk like definitely well, I, you can even code, you know, so this, but you don't want to be hands on. So, But there are certain tasks um, that are basically going to help you toward that goal. So the responsibilities are very varied. Um, in general, at the end, you take a look, regardless of what the company is, like you're basically leading the technology. It could be in a different scope, either the entire company, or it could be basically like in my current position, uh, leading the engineering, what is enabling basically developing services, while there is also a professional services organization that is more clo- is closer to the, to the customer. So at the end, within your scope, 
you are leading, you are a technology leader. You need to be strong technically and keep keep yourself up to date while also showing um, excellent people management skills. So those are responsibilities and expectations uh, from a leader like a CTO and a VP of engineering. And then the question is how much um, capacity they need to allocate into strategy, which is also like depends a lot on the size of the company and also the structure of the company. But the strategical factor is very important in these two roles. And, and what is harder for you? People, coding, or strategy? People is always the, the most the most demanding and the most, I would say, the, the most beautiful one because without people, you don't have a strategy and you don't have code. So, I mean, I know that maybe, yeah, chat GPT, et cetera, but it really <laughs> ends, so I, I use it very often and it's like, oh, yeah, well, I need to tell chat GPT, yeah, maybe, you know, what about this import or what about whatever? So definitely something, somebody has to ask questions and we know that humans are, we are, it's very difficult for, for us to ask ask proper questions. So there is definitely a people factor there. And also in um, in a people leadership role, which I think is basically part of the CTO and the VP of engineering is a critical factor to, uh, to basically show uh, that you know, that you like this because at the end you, I really enjoy working with people and I'm really, there is nothing that makes me happier than being able to cause an impact in the careers of engineers. And to see that years after it's like, hey, whatever, and then we, we actually get in touch and how is your, your life? And then I see that they are leading teams somewhere else or they are working in big tech or, or you know, tech that is companies that are basically like reference in technology as well and they are working there and these are people who were actually like working under my organization where I could actually make an impact in their careers. And that's for me the most, you know, definitely also developing new features that the customers are going to like. But the people factor is something that I enjoy a lot and also is definitely uh, also the, the more challenging one. Because at the end, if you take a look at code, also well, strategy is a different beast, but code is basically... When we are talking about things that are analytical, at the end, code is not going to, you know, if the, the code is not going to be happy or unhappy. <laughs> like, it's what it is. So you know that there are things that might work. You have a problem. You have different tooling. You have different things that you know that will work in a different scenario with different use cases. And then at the end, you have a set of resources. And you will be able to do X or X plus Y with an amount of resources. So at the end, you also need to figure out how to prioritize, et cetera, et cetera, because you can't do everything. But this is purely like, um, it's purely analytical. It's something that, you know, who is developing that? How can you measure how, if there is an engineer who is happy, the outcome that that person is going to have? All these things that are also like not measurable are things that I find very fascinating that, uh, is uh, always a challenge because you know I'm very data driven as well, but this part is really challenge and something I enjoy. The strategic part is also definitely not easy because it's about alignment. How can you make that people are going to understand the strategy that they will see the strategy as their own? Um, how can you actually make a strategy in which the different teams are going to be able to align to it? Um, that is going to see as theirs. All of that is also challenging work 
that I enjoy a lot too. Um, but definitely, I think that the people factor is also is definitely the main factor. You, you tackled really interesting point. I mean, managing people or like uh, being a leader for people, it's super difficult. So I'm wondering, like, with what usual VP of engineering struggle in this area? So what do you type in Google, <laughs> you know, like to find the help, uh, usually like the typical issues or challenges that the, the, the VP of engineering could have while leading people? Leading people, I have to say that I have learned this by mistakes in the past. So mainly because uh, I could put some examples, also examples of, like things that you do that you think you are doing the right thing uh, and then you actually notice, oh, well, maybe if I didn't give feedback to this person uh, promptly because I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, it's going to work, whatever, a typical thing, like you actually learn this uh, experience because then you see the, the outcome of what happens when you don't do certain things. And then uh, with that experience, you actually start to find patterns. Patterns in how different people usually behave. Uh, also, like patterns in how, um, basically, like some situations might unfold. How to evaluate risks so uh, that you can put things that are going to prevent them. And on that regard, I I think that something that I know that that helped me a lot. And I think in the leadership career is not really only working on big companies, startups as a CTO, VP of engineering. Uh, in the family business or working as a freelancer, I had to to manage people while it, or to lead people while it wasn't really kind of the I didn't have the title, but I still had to put the team together and to basically like end to end be able to uh, deliver in very in a lot of cross functional areas either with a designer, also marketing, also for instance. Um, with sales in a small company, and then I had to to make sure that we will be able to to give uh, the solution that the customer wanted. And in that regard, you also see because my my father um, owned the company, the struggles that he had as a leader when in discussing basically like how much overhead would be for the company to uh, have certain amount of headcount, also how to keep the people motivated, the problems that. He had as a boss or owner of the company. All of those dynamics, I saw them very early, uh, while I even before I started in the university, because I was very close, always helping even before I reached uh, years old. So then you you already see all these dynamics, and then from there, once you are actually getting uh, this responsibility, even if when I wasn't an engineering manager but as a software engineer, automatically I was actually like showing a liking to to manage all these situations and also i saw what other leaders did i basically had very great mentors that helped me and gave me actionable feedback uh, that i'm very happy that i had in my career some of them are famous and are not famous and some of them that are not famous actually were excellent mentors <laughs> so in that regard i think that's another factor in how basically like you you start to get um to get to that level and even so even with all those years of being exposed to these dynamics, I keep learning. Like, um, it's really like working with people is so full of uh, challenges and it's so rewarding in 
the impact that it has in your, basically in your, I would say, capabilities or in your competencies, that for me, still learning. But besides that, I can also provide some resources besides the experience, definitely. Like there are, uh, uh, I'm already in some Slack communities, uh, definitely like reading books, uh, can provide a list of books, also podcasts. You know, that definitely like, staying up to date with the technology not only as a technical leader also as a people leader and having all these resources available to you and to proactively go to them and also to ask a lot of uh, to to be in contact and network with other leaders other vp ctos to see what problems do they have also uh, to see how they solve those problems that's also very rewarding and it's also part of uh, what i think that is a way in which you can grow and not sure your skills uh, for these positions. Okay, thanks. And how about the team structure? I'm, I'm really interested about the team structure, not maybe uh, engineering team structure that you have under you, but I'm, I'm thinking about who is your partner in crime, with who you work the most, and on the leadership side or C-level side as a VP of engineering, with who you work uh, usually. Yeah. What is the structure here? That depends a lot, depended a lot in the companies in which I were. Uh, for instance, in my current company, definitely, I mean, the CTO. So that's basically, I mean, is a partner in crime, the director of product uh, or the VP of professional services. I mean, the, the leaders that are very, very close to, to the, the different activities that we do is where I need to have a closer communication. That's definitely uh, my partners in crime. Uh, also, could say like engineering management organization, but in as a CTO, had CEO and the COO. Um, in big companies, it was very interesting because usually it was my my boss and the chief of architect of Alliance, for instance. Uh, in Vodafone, had my manager and also the direct communication to the CTO of the of the group in which I was. So, in that regard. It's not only about the, the manager that you have, also you have some colleagues that are not in the management area that are your partners in crime. For me, like it's very relevant for me to, to be in connection with the tech leaders, so principal engineers, staff engineers, because um, if I'm only connected to the management area or only connected to the strategy area, I... I can have a good overview of the people uh, or the people problems that we might have and we, the risks that we need to mitigate. Also, I might have definitely like I will be connected to how to develop and define the strategy. But one thing I will miss is what are the pain points of the engineers? I mean, I'm disconnected from the technology. So it could be that there are some processes that might not make sense that we are trying to push to them or that we are not having a proper communication line. So we can actually refine all of these. That's also, for instance, the tech strategy. How are we going to plan uh, long-term projects that are going to basically be able to uh, allow us to, to deliver faster? Um, all of that is, ah, sorry, it was frozen. All of that is basically, um, is basically, I mean, the tech leaders are also very important partnering plans. Yeah. Okay. And how about, I'm, I'm always thinking about the leadership role that, Let's say there's a CEO in a company and saying like, hey, we need this guy to uh, take this responsibility for us or like to figure it out and solve this uh, this problem. 
So I'm always wondering, in your case, as a VP of engineering, what hassle do you take uh, out of the uh, head uh, of the CDO? So what, what problems do you solve and what outputs are expected? Maybe like what OKRs or KPIs usually are the typical to describe or um, describe the performance of your role or output of your role? In general, I mean, at the end, there are two things that there are always going to be objectives uh, or what is expected uh, to see from a VP of engineering CTO that it, one is to deliver new value to our to the customers. I mean, we can call it stakeholders in general to deliver new value to customers because at the end, um, a VP of engineering or a CTO is basically going to be most probably in the uh, research and development area. So the objective of a company is to get a larger market share and in that regard, uh, delivering new features that are going to be sellable is basically what is expected in which the VP of engineering is going to take a, a bigger part. But the other part, and I know it's maybe not the, um, the most attractive, but it's basically maintainability and to keep, make sure that uh, operations are going to run um, smoothly. For instance, not only from an availability and reliability point of view, like definitely, if the systems are down, that can that can cause a lot of a, a lot of um, let's say like it could cost a lot of money to the company, uh, but also things that don't happen now, like for instance, cybersecurity risks or regulatory frameworks. If there is no, I mean, we say that we are regulatory compliant to something and and at the end, this is not the case. That's definitely a risk for the company. You know, the company can get a fine or basically could be making promises to the customers that are not happening. And at, at the end, that's also um, the maintainability part, what is the expected outcome. And in that regard, there is also one challenge that is, that's not only about delivering new features or keeping the maintainability. It's like the challenge is how can you create an environment in which engineers enjoy working there, they learn, mm -hmm. while this is aligned to the uh, company objectives. And this is really this is the real challenge because in general, at the end, it's a very complicated. There are very complicated dynamics because we are talking about risk prevention. Like uh, sometimes preventing risks requires resources that are not seen, understood, and it's very difficult to assure resources for this th type of initiatives. And it's, if there is a re I mean, if something doesn't happen, how can we actually see the impact of it, you know? So this is basically the typical struggle, and that's where the leaders need to set up a structure in which uh, the company is able to mitigate those risks while you keep uh, the you keep delivering new value to the customers and usually mitigating risks you can also mitigate risks regarding uh, engineering happiness because if you want to get the best engineers and the most productive engineers having happy engineers is definitely the best way to reach uh, the best output out of them and that's why regarding the okrs in general okrs are actually from an alignment perspective and a strategy perspective, my OKRs are usually like uh, focused on that, of course, very much aligned to, to the product organization or uh, basically having into consideration the product specialist because one part would be OKRs about new features. And these are the trickiest ones because 
then it would be is very easy to enter into project planning in OKRs or having a to-do list of in within the OKRs. So that's not why OKRs, I mean, are foreign or in my opinion. Uh, for that we have roadmaps and also we have project planning. But OKRs can help to basically, for instance, with the typical case in which you have different teams that uh, they have their own roadmap, they have their own project planning, but how can we make sure that they are incentivized and aligned towards achieving a common goal? And for that is where actually things like OKRs come in and product OKRs. So how can we basically, if we have these roadmaps, and some, sometimes the roadmaps are actually together towards a product that is actually spanning to different teams. So in that regard, uh, with um, setting objectives that are basically product objectives that we are able to measure, avoiding to have binary uh, key results as much as possible, there is definitely like, usually I, I put a lot of focus on this kind of OKRs. So that would be one part. Then we have the maintenance OKRs. These are usually easier. For instance, uh, we know how to measure if a system is reaching a specific SLA, or we do have a lot of metrics uh, in general, especially in teams like are more DevOps or infrastructure. Like even even so, like you can measure unit test coverage. You can measure, uh, for instance, number of bugs that you have in your in your in your last uh, three four sprints. All these things can be measured, so then you can set up maintenance uh, OKRs very easily. But of course, that should, and this is like, in order to enter into over-engineering, to put an emphasis that the quality and maintenance is basically having an, um, a very visible outcome that is going to improve, for instance, the impact that a team can have in delivering new functionality. Or for instance, uh, in basically a team is going to be is going to be faster uh, because there are these these uh, let's say technical initiatives that is having an expected uh, is having a very visible outcome. Not only for the business, also for the team because they see that this initiative actually had uh, an impact at a team level and also at an organizational level. So that's in that area is where I actually focus from a maintenance point of view. And then also there is another part of OKR that can be tied to hiring, for instance. It's a very good way of uh, basically setting ambitious goals about hiring in certain areas or, for instance, how we share to the open source community, like how we share the technology that we have in a way which other companies can benefit from it. And this also has an impact in the a direct impact in how we are going to be able to attract uh, talent. So mm. that's also another thing where the OKRs go. That would be another leg in that regard. And the important thing is that when I work on the OKRs, I don't go very into very much into specifics. So it's very important. And this also depends on the, on the size of the organization, but in general, to have them um, as strategic as possible so that there is room for the teams to align to them and also so that they can create their own objectives uh, and basically like they see those objectives as their own so that basically this impact that they have within a team can be correlated to the impact that they have within the department and to the impact that they have within the company basically that's that's how i i tied 
all these um, expectations in which a VP of engineering or CTO is directly uh, involved with, with setting up objectives with the OKR framework. Yeah. I, I fully agree. It's like, um, it, it gives you a context and you have in the back of your head, like they were the OKRs if you are doing your work, if you should go to the left or to the right, right? So you have the context and you align, let's, let's say, with the direction. Uh, so so it, 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 uh, it makes sense to me what, uh, what you are saying a lot. Um, so I treat it the similar way. Mm, and you, you answered this question a bit in the previous question, uh, during the previous questions, but I'm wondering, maybe you could add something. Uh, what do you think are the biggest challenges uh, as a VP of engineering on the short term and long term? Hmm. On the short term, uh, oof, this is really because on the short term, basically, like, you know, when a VP of engineering joins a new organization, for instance, okay, so basically on the short term, a VP of engineering is kind of an onboarding phase, is in an on onboarding phase. So that's like, it's very easy that a leader could actually think that, you know, that they can outsmart things that were done in that organization. Well, actually, it's more of an investigation phase to understand what happened before, what context they had, why did they do, did they do this or that, because there is a chance in which you can actually end up like uh, doing something that might not steer the organization on the right direction. So I think that in the short term, the VP of engineering needs to allocate time in order to understand the organization that, that they start working for. So to understand basically what everybody's doing, like uh, the different profiles that the organization has, also the history that the organization has, things that the organization tried in the past. And then based on that, to at the beginning, let's say in the first six months, be like observing a lot and to plan once or what is the best moment to basically apply the structure that you have in mind uh, some things that you will be able to apply very in the short term progressively, but there are some other things that uh, you actually need to see an opportunity in which is going to be the best time to apply certain initiatives. So in the short term, is definitely like it's an onboarding uh, scenario in which you are really understanding a lot the dynamics of the company because there are a lot of parts that are unique to each company. And it's true that uh, based on experience, there are different uh, methodologies, well, different tools, approaches, things that I tried in the past that I work, that they work in a very similar scenario, but the dynamics of the company, like every company is different. And then a leader has to understand the things that are different. So that would be the short term. But in the long term, um, definitely, I mean, it's aligned to the strategy. So it's defining the mission and vision also for the department. So okay, what is the thing that we are going to do constantly? The mission and then the vision is, like, okay, well, uh, I have the organization. How can I align to the mission and vision from the company? And then how can I set one for the scope that you have as a leader? And that actually is apply applicable to any kind of level, like any kind of uh, leader, even in a small team, even individually, like what is actually the vision? That we want to set, and how can I see that this vision is aligned to the vision from the company or the vision mm -hmm. from the team and the vision from the department? It doesn't really matter. So that's basically the thing. That's and it's kind of a philosophy uh, topic mm -hmm. as well. 
And it's very important because personally, like I, I want to um, identify myself with the philosophy and the vision of the company because that's basically like the thing that motivates us to work in a company. So that's definitely the long term. And then uh, regarding that, how we reach that vision or how the things that we do or that we basically, the strategy that we define so that we reach there uh, progressively, that's actually where the OKR discussion comes in. Depends on a lot of different factors. But long term is definitely like if there is no vision to set that vision. And it is basically like once the vision is clear to everybody to basically define the the path towards uh, reaching. That's definitely the the long term. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um and lastly, I have the last question uh, to you. I, I think you, you have like pretty robust answer for that. This is what I feel. Uh, could you recommend any books or podcasts or resources uh, which were really particularly helpful for you and uh, as a VP of engineering on, as, and or gen in general as a as a tech leader? Yeah. There was one I read a long time ago uh, in which I was basically, it was like, because I like definitely the responsibilities as a tech lead and also responsibilities as an engineering manager was exposed to both. And then I, I read this book called The Phoenix Project. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's a fictional story about an organization. It's very much into DevOps. Uh, but I think that from a technical perspective, you can see the things in different departments that didn't work, like the friction that uh, the IT department had, for instance, from, um, from marketing, from sales, also like the expectations from the business, also, for instance, having certain profiles that, like the difference of levels between a profile that is very experienced, the other engineers, like and how uh, a leader had to basically put everything together because it's the typical, the common problem, oh, our organization is slow, we are not able to deliver the functionality that we want to our customers, and then uh, we want to compete in the software area, and we are starting to do that. So basically having that fictional story with all the different problems, and also from a management perspective, the different profiles that were exposed in that story, I it was uh, for me an eye opener. Uh, like, oh, I do uh, I do like definitely the the tech lead stuff. I think that um, a leader that is in technology needs to definitely be technically strong. Doesn't have to be somebody who is a uh, great at hands on, but definitely they need to understand all these um, all these dynamics. But I really like the how the people aspect of this book and. There are other books like this. Uh, I'm a bit biased because he, I work with him. So he was my own. But Gregor, Gregor Hope, like, I remember that when I met him, he was uh, writing 37 things one architect knows about IT transformation, a chief architect's uh, journey. I always like um, transformation stories. Like, for instance, um, if there is an organization in which they realize that they want to change, that there are things that are not working and they want to, they are willing to put the resources so that, that actually will work. They are really challenging environments. I actually had that challenge in healthcare in general. When you join an organization that is already ongoing, they definitely like are looking forward to have support so that there is going to be a change. And I think this book, for instance, from a more technical point of view is um, basically showing you the things that an architect sees uh, in how to change such organizations. And 
Uh, I think that even for a manager, it's very important to know so that we don't lose track of how code is able to to solve all of these uh, challenges. So it's more technical. Then other books. So I mean, podcasts. I found the manager tools podcast interesting because it's basically like providing like advice about how to manage people. They are very very scoped in uh, basically like they also deal with some tricky uh, situations that I think it's important for a manager to know that those also happen and they provide very actionable feedback about them. And then in general, um, also to be like other resources that are not podcasts or books, for instance, uh, Slack communities like uh, CTO Craft or AlphaList. I mean, there are many other as well. So they are very like a community of leaders that are really willing to help each other they, there are a lot of people asking questions about very specific things that happen in, in their companies. And then, you know, like basically the community is providing help and then you can actually see, like only only by reading what happens, you actually can see already, like have, take a look at what other companies are doing and, and to evaluate if you are actually like going behind, like also from a technology perspective, but like it's a very good way in which you can keep up to date. Because with books and, uh, well, podcasts, definitely is another way, but with books, for instance, this is something that could basically be a challenge. But with these communities, is definitely like it helps a lot to, to stay up to date. Awesome. Thank you, Daria, for, for a really interesting interview and uh, the, the resources. But not all of them uh, are the, the resources that I, that I know. So I definitely need to check them out. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you uh, today. Yeah, it was a pleasure as well, Matt. Yeah, thank you very much for, for the invitation. Thanks. Okay, so... Follow Matt on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.